Good morning, everyone. It's Tuesday, May 9th. Uh, this is Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer, here with a weekly economic and market commentary. Thank you for giving me a couple of weeks off. Uh, we had a nice vacation and we're back in town uh, late on Monday the 8th. So I'm doing this uh, one day after the day we normally do it. As a reminder, if there are if there is any intra-week commentary, it'll be put up on either Twitter or LinkedIn or both. This presentation you're about to see and hear has been prepared by Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors LP for use with investors and financial advisors, each of whom are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Well, we had a modestly negative week in equities last week, not too bad. You can see the S&P 500 down about three quarters of a percent, mid cap stocks down a little bit more, but international, uh, international markets eked out uh, gains last week. So that was uh, nice to see, you can see that there. Uh, bonds gave up a little, high yield gave up a little in sympathy with equities. But looking at the right-hand column on a year-to-date basis, if you didn't know we had a looming debt crisis, if you didn't know we were fighting off massive inflation, if you didn't know there were massive concerns about earnings, you'd look across and say, you know, so far so good. Here we are in the early May and we're having a reasonably good year for financial asset prices. It's one of the reasons I always uh, tell people to check emotions when it comes to uh, investing because time uh, invested tends to be a very, very good friend to investors. Let's take a look at the economic data from last week, starting with S&P Global's report on U.S. manufacturing. Their PMI for manufacturing uh, rose and into positive territory. That was a bit of a surprise. The estimate, though, was 50.4, came in at 50.2, right in line. But after five consecutive, one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive months of decline, uh, in manufacturing output by this gauge, we returned to growth, albeit right there at the even line, 50s, the line of delineation between contraction and expansion. However, the ISM report on manufacturing said not so fast, we are still in contraction. You can see one, two, three, four, five, six months of contract contraction in the ISM. It was at a three year low in April, rose up, but that's still contraction. It was better than expected. We did see an increase in new orders. Prices paid unfortunately rose, but, it, but employment picked up and went above the, uh, the line of delineation there. From a services perspective, remember manufacturing is about 15% of the economy. Services is about 85% of the US economy. We went to 53.6, right in line with expectations. That's one, two, three consecutive months of expansion after uh, looks like seven months of contraction in the services sector as measured by S&P Global. Institute for Supply Management or ISM only had one negative month in services about five months ago. April um, rose from 51.2 to 51.9 right in line. New orders rose, prices paid unfortunately rose. Employment there fell, but not by much. It was still in expansion. So absolute employment rose, just rose at a slower pace um, than before. We got data last week on construction spending for March, rose three-tenths of a percent. That was three times the rate that was expected, one-tenth of a percent.
percent, but you can still see the percentage change from a year ago, which is the right-hand scale, has been coming down. It's not negative. You can see it right there. It's above the zero line for the right-hand scale. The labor market is definitely cooling, or is it? So conflicting messages, conflicting headlines last week, and conflicting analysis by all equally smart uh, and experienced uh, commentators on this. So let's try to make heads and tails out of this. Job openings, the number of openings in the U.S. economy peaked about a year and a half ago at about 12 million. We are now down from 12 million to 9.6 million. So that's a pretty significant 2.4 million decrease. The rate of deceleration is, is significant. It sort of matches that, matches that rate of acceleration coming out of the pandemic. So it kind of makes sense. You go up in a straight line, you're going to come down a little bit there as well. Openings, the number of openings to unemployed is starting to come down and that relieves a lot of the pressure in the labor market, the inflationary pressure. It's still a little elevated though. We're at 1.6 openings for every unemployed person versus 1.2 before the pandemic. So that's probably going to continue to come down. It still is, I would say it's still modestly inflationary, but nowhere near where we were, say, a year ago. Factory orders for the month of March rose nine-tenths of a percent. The estimate was for 1.2 percent. Takeout transportation it was down seven tenths. They were down seven tenths of a percent. That's the second consecutive month there. We had a surprise report on the upside for auto sales. April auto sales rose from 14.8 annualized to 15.9. That was about 800,000 above the consensus estimates. And you can see kind of where the six, 16 million plus is sort of equilibrium. So this is a surprise given the fact that, you know, I've been saying for a couple of months, we're in a very mild recession that the Fed rate hikes coupled with the uh, now bank contraction uh, has put us into a recession, but the Fed has ammunition. As soon as they see that the inflation rate comes down, they have ammunition to, um, to stimulate. So interesting to see that auto number was as good uh, as it was. Weekly claims for unemployment continuing to rise, but just barely off that bottom sort of bumped around for a 200,000 for the better part of a year and a half, almost two years. Now we're up to 242,000. Uh, continuing claims though, still, you know, really low at 1.8 million. All of this is a positive. So uh, positive by coming up, meaning less inflationary pressure in the labor market. Below 300,000 signals a still healthy labor market overall. Speaking of labor, we got the two major monthly reports for uh, the month of April. First, ADP, Automatic Data Processing, private company, different set of analysis than the, um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They say private payrolls grew at double the consensus estimates. They're expecting 150, we added 300,000, the biggest gain since July of last year. Goods producing jobs gained, service jobs uh, all gained, uh, and this was on top of a pretty healthy report in the month of March. So we've really made up now. You can see the big loss back from the pandemic. Uh, really a, a, a long stream of positive job gains in the economy. 
Now, the next one, which was the Friday report, that's the Bureau of Labor Statistics, non-farm payrolls. They were looking for 185, but got 250. That was more than expected after a gain of 165 in March. But didn't we say last month that March had risen 236? That's a big downward revision. So from this perspective, if you notice that in the report, you would say that we're continuing to get this disinflationary pressure and that the labor market is reacting to the Fed's uh, action in the higher rates. And, and now that we have significant tightening from the, the banking sector, uh, we expect a lot of this inflationary pressure to continue to wane from, uh, from the markets. Service sector jobs up 197,000, manufacturing essentially flatline, unemployment rate still down extremely low, 3.4%, uh, which is certainly a good thing. Makes me believe this recession, if I'm right, if we're in it, uh, will be very short-lived and very mild. Now we're well into earnings season. Uh, there were a lot of predictions for very significant um, uh, earnings, negative earnings reports, uh, misses, et cetera. Now keep in mind when we talk about inline versus positive versus negative, these things can be adjusted right, you know, by the analysts right up until uh, they're reported. So, and then analysts tend to react to the reports and the guidance for the further estimate of, of earnings. But we've had about 424 names uh, report, o only about 7% uh, earnings surprise. Uh, not that's not 7% number, that's 7% beat on earnings. Uh, 331 of 424 beat their estimates. That is a pretty good number. That's pretty healthy and it's a little bit surprising. In terms of the negative, only 80 out of 424 have failed. And so what's happening here is this is what it all comes down to is are stocks expensive? And, you know, there's a million ways to look at this, but at 18.9 times forward estimated earnings, the question becomes, well, I can get four and a half or 5% risk-free in a treasury. Therefore, I'm not really getting an equity risk premium. Therefore, stocks are expensive. And further, I think earnings are going to decline. This is what, this is the bare argument right now, that if earnings are going to decline, then that PE is not really 18.9, it's 22 or 23, because earnings are gonna come in lower, therefore stocks have quite a ways to go to the downside. It's a well thought out argument. However, what's been happening is as these companies report, beat and guide, earnings estimates for the S&P 500 are somehow going higher on February 24th, we bottomed with a forward 12-month estimate of $223. Today, May 9th, this morning, we're at a forward estimate of $227. Doesn't mean it can't turn and go lower still, uh, but it also, there's not a lot of history of earnings going down significantly. We get, we get drops like this. This one here, of course, was the pandemic, once in a, hopefully once in a lifetime situation. So, you could very easily make a reasoned argument that, hey, we've been through the rate hikes. We've been through the supply chain disruptions associated with um, uh, reopening after the pandemic. We've been through the inflationary 
uh, situation re related to energy prices. We've been through now the bank failures. We've been through the Fed uh, rate hikes. And now could be, and by the way, the, the market's up quite a bit from the bottom. So let's take a look at some of that information. Let's start first with the Federal Open Market Committee, which last week hiked interest rates another 25 basis points. That's their Fed funds rate to five and a quarter and signaled uh, by language in the statement and in the press conference after they're likely done for now. They also strongly signaled that they believe the market, meaning this implied overnight rate and number of hikes cuts data, they believe the market's wrong and that they're going to keep at this five and a quarter number for a longer period of time. They reserve the right to hike or cut depending on what happens in the economy as they always do. But this is the, high, the, the, the fastest, most aggressive rate hiking cycle in history. Of course, we're coming from zero. So you have to put in that perspective. But the market, this is the amalgamation of all of the players betting in the futures market on the direction of interest rates, believes that nothing will happen at the June 14th meeting. Okay, this 0 0.08 means nothing. But that as soon as July, two meetings from now, there'll be a cut and uh, you know, five, we'll be at 5% Fed funds. We're, we're, we're at five and a quarter target upper end right now. The, the effective rate, I think this morning is like 509, 510. So right there where we are. And then more hikes, uh, excuse me, more cuts all the way through to January. So if, the, if this market is correct, then stocks are cheap because stocks are always valued against your risk-free alternative. Question really thing is we don't know which market is right. Will the Fed start cutting? Will the Fed do nothing? Pause. Or will the Fed suddenly turn and hike because inflationary data has remained sticky? We don't know. But I don't think the inflationary data can do anything but the inflation data can do anything but come down from here. We've already had the rate hikes from the Fed. We have year over year negative money supply growth, which we've never had in the history of measuring M2 year over year growth. And now with the, what I call the rolling banking crisis with banks failing and constricting lending, yesterday we got the loan officer survey that's the net percent of banks saying that they're tightening their lending standards for commercial and industrial loans. In other words, they are lending less money. If you lend less money, that money doesn't get spent it is therefore disinflationary. And you can see that number reported yesterday up to 46%. Last time we had a spike like that, we were here. You can see we entered a recession. You can barely see the 2020 recession here as well. So that one cut was recession. You can see it back in 01 recession and you can see it back in 1990 recession. So this is consistent with a recession, which, which by definition is disinflationary. So I think we are there. And the next thing that we're worried about, the Fed is worried about, we're all worried about, is uh, the return to growth. Uh, although, as we, we can all point out, the labor market continues to be quite uh, robust. But the stock market continues to sort of grind higher. This is the S&P 500. We know about the peak back in late 21. And we now appear to have troughed right here in uh, summer of 22. And despite all that's happened, massive rate hikes, bank failures, everything, earnings have kind of hung in there. And 
we, we, we've rallied. We've rallied about 16.5% during this wall of worry, right? The markets have climbed this wall of worry uh, since last summer, gotten through some pretty difficult times. We're at 4,100 on the S&P. And if the rate hikes are over, inflation comes down and we return, somehow return to growth. Then now, the way, now, by the way, we're arguing again uh, about the debt ceiling as we always do. Uh, and then we always come to an agreement right before uh, the, you know, everything gets really ugly. So there you go. That's what's happening uh, this week. We've got wholesale. We had wholesale inventories yesterday. Small business optimism will come out this morning. The big numbers this 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 week are CPI on Wednesday, PPI on Thursday, along with jobs claims, and then consumer sentiment on Friday. Don't forget, uh, this is available subscription if you're looking at the slides, charts, and graphs. Otherwise, it's also available as a podcast via any smart device. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next week.